Welcome to the Hackberry House of Cho Sun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from the story of John G. Patton, the missionary to the South Sea Island cannibals in the islands formerly known as the New Hebrides, now the nation of Vanuatu. We're on chapter 30. It's called Kawia. Another tragedy followed, with, uh, however, much of the light of heaven amid its blackness. In the story of Kawia, a Tannese chief of the highest rank, going to Anitium in youth, he had there become a true Christian. He married an Anitiumese Christian woman with whom he lived very happily and had two beautiful children. Sometime before the measles reached our island, he returned to live with me as a teacher and to help forward our work on Tana. He proved himself to be a decided Christian. He was a real chief amongst them, dignified in his whole conduct and every way a valuable helper to me. Everything was tried by his own people to induce him to leave me and to renounce the worship offering him every honor and bribe in their power. Failing these, they threatened to take away all his lands and to deprive him of chieftainship. But he answered, Take all, or I shall still stand by Missy and the worship of Jehovah. From threats they passed to galling insults, all which he bore patiently for Jesus' sake. But one day a party for his people came and sold some fowls, and an impudent fellow lifted them after they had been bought and offered to sell them again to me. Kawia shouted, Don't purchase these, Missy. I have just bought them for you and paid for them. Thereon the fellow began to mock at him. Kawia, gazing round on all present and then on me, rose like a lion awaking out of sleep and with flashing eyes exclaimed, Missy, they think that because I am now a Christian, I have become a coward, a woman, to bear every abuse and assault they can heap upon me. But I will show them for once that I am no coward, that I am still their chief, and that Christianity does not take away but gives us courage and nerve. Springing at one man, he, he wrenched in a moment the mighty club from his hands, and swinging it in the air above his head like a toy, he cried, Come, any of you, come all against your chief. My Jehovah God makes my heart and arms strong. He will help me in this battle as he helps me in other things, for he inspires me to show you that Christians are no cowards, though they are men of peace. Come on, and you will yet know that I am Kawia, your chief. All fled as he approached them, and he cried, Where are the cowards now? And he handed back, to the warrior, his club. After this, they left him at peace. Well, he lived at the mission house with his wife and children and was a great help and comfort to Abraham and myself. He was allowed to go more freely and fearlessly amongst the people than any of the rest of our mission staff. The fever on me at, at Mr. Johnston's death so increased and reduced me to such weakness that I had become insensible while Abraham and Kawia alone attended to me. On returning to consciousness, I heard, as in a dream, Kawia lamenting over me and pleading that I might recover so as to hear and speak with him before he died. Opening my eyes and looking at him, I heard him say, Missy, all our 
Anitiamis are sick. Missy Johnson is dead. You are very sick, and I am weak and dying. Alas, when I too am dead, who will climb the trees and, and get you a coconut to drink? And who will bathe your lips and brow? Here he broke down into deep and long weeping, and then resumed, Missy, the Tana men hate us all on account of the worship of Jehovah, and I now fear he is going to take away all his servants from this land and leave my people to the evil one and his service. I was too weak to speak, so he went on, bursting into a soliloquy of prayer, O oh Lord Jesus, Missy Johnston is dead. Thou hast taken him away from this land. Missy Johnston, the woman, and Missy Patton are very ill. I am sick, and thy servants, the Anitiamis, are all sick and dying. O Lord, our Father in heaven, art thou going to take away all thy servants and thy worship from this dark land? What meanest thou to do, O Lord? The Tannese hate thee, and thy worship, and thy servants. But surely, O Lord, thou canst not forsake Tanna, and leave our people to die in the darkness. Oh, make the hearts of this people soft to thy word, and sweet to thy worship. Teach them to fear and love Jesus, and, oh, restore and spare Missy, dear Missy Patton, that Tanna may be saved. Touched to the very fountains of my life by such prayers, from a man once a cannibal, I began under the breath of God's blessing to revive. A few days thereafter, Kawea came again to me, and rousing me out of sleep, cried, Missy, I am very weak. I am dying. I come to bid you farewell, and I go away to die. I am nearing death now, and I will soon see Jesus. I spoke what words of consolation and cheer I could muster, but he answered, Missy, since you became ill, my dear wife and children are dead and buried. Most of our Anitiamis are dead, and I am dying. If I remain on the hill and die here at the mission house, there are none left to help Abraham to carry me down to the grave where my wife and children are laid. I wish to lie beside them that we may rise together. In the great day when Jesus comes, oh, I am happy looking unto Jesus. One thing only deeply grieves me now. I fear God is taking us all away from Tana and will leave my poor people dark and benighted as before, for they hate Jesus and the worship of Jehovah. Oh, Missy, pray for them and pray for me once more before I go. He knelt down at my side and we prayed for each other. And for Tana, I then urged him to remain at the mission house, but he replied, Oh, Missy, you do not know how near to death I am. I am just going, and I will soon be with Jesus and see my wife and children now. While a little strength is left, I will lean on Abraham's arm and go down to the graves of my dear ones and fall asleep there. And Abraham will dig a quiet bed and lay me beside them. Farewell, Missy. I am very near death now. We will meet again in Jesus and with Jesus. With many tears he dragged himself away, and my heartstrings seemed all tied round that noble, simple soul and felt like breaking one by one as he left me there on my bed of fever 
all alone. Abraham sustained him, tottering to the place of graves, and there he lay down and immediately gave up the ghost and slept in Jesus. And there the faithful Abraham buried him beside his wife and children. Thus died a man who had been a cannibal chief, but by the grace of God and the love of Jesus changed, transfigured into a character of light and beauty. I lost in losing him, one of my best friends and most courageous helpers, but I knew that day and I know now that there is one soul at least from Tana to sing the glories of Jesus in heaven, and oh, the rapture when I meet him there. Now that's when the word rapture was used, (laughs) totally different than it is today. We're in chapter 31 now. It's called the Martyrdom of the Gordons. The Martyrdom of the Gordons. May 1861 brought with it a sorrowful and tragic event which fell as the very shadow of doom across our path. I mean the martyrdom of the Gordons on Eromanga. Reverend G.N. Gordon was a native of Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, born in 1822. He was educated at the Free Church College, Halifax, and placed as missionary on Eromanga in June 1857. Much troubled and opposed by the Sandalwooders, he had yet acquired the language and was making progress by inroads on heathenism. A considerable number of young men and women embraced the Christian faith, lived at the mission house, and devotedly helped him and his excellent wife in all their work. But the hurricanes and the measles, already referred to, caused great mortality in Eramanga also, and the degraded traders who had introduced the plague, in order to save themselves from revenge, stimulated the superstitions of the heathen, and charged the missionaries there too with causing sickness and all other calamities. The Sandalwooders hated him for fearlessly denouncing and exposing their hideous atrocities. When Mr. Copeland and I placed the native teachers at Black Beach Tana, we ran across uh, to Aramanga in the John Knox, taking a harmonium to Mrs. Gordon, just come by their order from Sydney. When it was opened out at the mission house and Mrs. Gordon began playing on it and singing sweet hymns, the native women were in ecstasies. They at once proposed to go off to the bush and cut each a burden of long grass to thatch the printing office, which Mr. Gordon was building in order to print the scriptures in their own tongue. If only Mrs. Gordon would play to them at night and teach them to sing God's praises. They joyfully did so, and then spent a happy evening singing those hymns. Next day being Sabbath, we had a delightful season there, about thirty attending church and listening eagerly. The young men and women living at the mission house were being trained to become teachers. They were reading a small book in their own language, telling them the story of Joseph, and the work every way seemed most hopeful. The mission house had been removed a mile or so up a hill, partly for Mrs. Gordon's health, partly to escape the annoying and contaminating influence of the sandalwooders on the Christian natives. On the 20th of May, 1861, he was still working at the roofing of the printing office and had sent his lads to bring each a load of the long grass 
to finish the thatching. Meantime, a party of Aramangans from a district called Bunk Hill, under a chief named Lovu, had been watching him. They had been to the mission house inquiring, and they had seen him send away his Christian lads. They then hid in the bush and sent two of their men to the missionary to ask for calico. On a piece of wood, he wrote a note to Mrs. Gordon to give them two yards each. They asked him to go with them to the mission house as they needed medicine for a sick boy, and Lovu, their chief, wanted to see him. So he tied up in a napkin a meal of food, which had been brought to him but not eaten, and started to go with them. He requested the native Narbulet to go on before with his companion, but they insisted upon his going in front. In crossing a streamlet, which I visited shortly afterwards, his foot slipped. A blow was aimed at him with a tomahawk, which he caught. The other man struck, but his weapon was also caught. One of the tomahawks was then wrenched out of his grasp, and next moment a blow on the spine laid the dear missionary low, and a second on the neck almost severed the head from the body. The other natives then rushed from their ambush and began dancing around him with frantic shoutings. Mrs. Gordon, hearing the noise, came out and stood in front of the mission house, looking in the direction of her husband's working place and wondering what had happened. Uben, one of the party who had run towards the station the moment that Mr. Gordon fell, now approached her. A merciful clump of trees had hid from her eyes all that had occurred, and she said to Uben, "'What's the cause of that noise?' He replied, uh, "'Oh, nothing, only, uh, only the boys amusing themselves.' Saying, "'Where are the boys?' she turned around. Uben slipped stealthily behind her, sank his tomahawk into her back, and with another blow almost severed her head. Such was the fate of those two devoted servants of the Lord, loving in their lives and in their deaths not divided. Their spirits, wearing the crown of martyrdom, entered glory together to be welcomed by Williams and Harris, whose blood was shed near the same now hallowed spot for the name and cause of Jesus. They had labored four years on Eromanga, amidst trials and dangers manifold, and had not been without tokens of blessing in the Lord's work. Never more earnest or devoted missionaries lived and died in the heathen field. Next time, chapter 32, Shadows Deepening on Tana. Thank you for listening, and as I've said many times, I do like hearing from you. So please contact me with questions and comments. Just say hi if you like. Look around the site. Uh, my email is bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com, or you can contact me from within Sermon Audio. I do believe you'll find much on the site that will be beneficial. There are readings from great preachers, stories from the persecuted church, Bible studies, and a whole lot more. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, We'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.